Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined today by Dimity McDowell. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you doing today, SBS? Oh, good, good. I just dropped Augie off at daycare, doggy daycare or preschool, as I sometimes call it. He was very excited. Uh, I got to say, Sarah, you've like gone in. Like I, you know, <laughs> eat first. I'm like dog walkers, doggy daycare, like OMG. <laughs> like does, does he have a sweater yet? Does Augie have a sweater yet is what I Oh, he, know. yeah, he has a hoodie, a little hoodie uh-huh. that says Mount Augie on the back. It's misspelled, but it's this cute little dog on skis. It looks like it's like from Switzerland or something. And it was a gift from uh, Jack's sister. And does he like to wear it? Um, he, um, well, cause he used to get chilly in the winter. So uh, how would you know yeah. he's chilly? Was he shivering? He would shake. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, okay. He would shake a lot. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cause he'd tell me the same language. That's just so <laughs> funny. Cause I just, I mean, again, like I just would have never, you know, put you in this dog category, but I love it. I, I'm surprised he doesn't have like a leather jacket, like a Harley jacket born. To <laughs> oh, t- you know? oh my gosh. That's so funny because, uh, I was driving Phoebe. I picked her up at her friend's house and, um, we saw coming toward us a motorcycle with a sidecar. And oh, so, I, there so I was like, oh my gosh, can you imagine if Augie was in the sidecar? And I said, and he'd have one of those little helmets. She goes, yeah, like an, an Amelia Earhart one with the goggles and all this stuff. And I'm like, you envisioned it perfectly. That's exactly what I was picturing. There you go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have to say we took, um, so we had uh, friends here this weekend for um, the Avid Brothers back to back. Um, uh-huh. you know, I'm hardcore like that, uh, with that, with the soft folk music. Wait, so you did, you did see them both nights. I saw them Friday and Saturday night. Yes. Yeah. So we went oh on gosh. Friday night with, um, so my friend Joe, who was just on the podcast for the grand Canyon and her husband came out cause he'd never been to red rocks. So the four of us went, Grant went as well. And then Saturday night, um, just Joe and I went and, um, uh-huh. and, uh, the husbands rode their bikes down to the Breckenridge brewery and, and sample the, the local wares. Um, uh-huh. But why was I saying this? Oh, because we took them to the dog park on Saturday. Afternoon. We took Joe and Tom to the dog park on Saturday afternoon in the Cherry Creek State Park near our house. And it was, it was, uh-huh. a, it was a really overcast day, which is really unusual for a Saturday at the end of June here. Usually it's really hot and sunny. Um, uh-huh. it was overcast and, you know, probably like low 80s, maybe even early uh, hot top, top 70s. <laughs> It sounds like you're talking about a radio station. I know, like Casey, Casey, top 100. <laughs> um, but anyway, the reason why I'm saying all this is because there was a flock, and I call it a flock of French bulldogs. There were five of them owned by- No one. way. They all had different colorings, and they were all down in the river playing. This dog park is, is the shiznit. It is so damn cool. It has- I saw it on uh, I saw it on Amelia's Instagram account. Yeah. I just, it came up in our feed yeah. and oh my gosh, it looked fantastic. Yeah. Cause there's a river that goes. So basically it's, it's a little over a two mile. If you do the full loop, it's a little over two miles. So Grant will go there sometimes with Mason and run, run get his run in. I mean, it's a really nice gravel path. So he can do like oh. two loops and Mason can run free. Um, but then they, along one part of the loop is this awesome river that the dog uh-huh. can go in and, you know, cool off and the kids will often like go in there, you know, either bare feet or wear like chacos or something like that. It's just, it is, it is like the best dog park I've ever seen in my life. Um, I'm sure there are better ones, but, but my, my dog park expertise is limited. So anyway, so we saw these five French bulldogs. They were kind of yippy. I gotta say, uh, they weren't my oh. favorite dogs at that time, but they might've just been a little freaked out by all the, you know, the water, well, the dogs, it was a lot of commotion. Yeah, but also because uh, French bulldogs are not, they really can't swim because of their smushed in noses. Well, yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So um, I uh, Molly, uh, you know, is a veterinarian, and her boss lives on a lake, and he has two Frenchies, and they have um, little life jackets, and one of them really likes to go in the lake. So um, we have a standing invitation to take Augie down there, and I think he'd really like it. So and a little life jacket. So there you go. All right. Well, there's some more clothes for him. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, well, this weekend I was in a very hot place. I was in Connecticut visiting. My mom. Yeah. How's she doing? She is doing surprisingly well. She turned 92 on the day that we arrived. We took a red eye out there and uh, got to the house by, I don't know, 830 on her birthday morning. And I baked her a cake. And um, so she has um, uh, uh, some memory loss um, or some memory issues And my sister ties it to, um, my mom had a very small procedure last year, but she did have to go under anesthesia. And my sister, um, says that the memory has gotten worse since then. Oh, and, but then Chalkley, um, you know, my best friend who lives in Brooklyn, who made the AMR Brantham, um, she came out to visit and Chalkley's ex-husband died very suddenly six years ago of a heart attack. And even though Chalkley wasn't married to Kevin at the time, Chalkley said that she had a lot of memory issues after such a sudden trauma and grief. And so it gave me hope to think that maybe it would, you know, I mean, yeah, she's 92. So her memory is, you know, she's not going to win Jeopardy anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, but, um, you know, it, I mean, it was very sad. I mean, several times she forgot that my father is no longer living and I had to remind her of that in very tactful, um, gracious tones and verbiage. And so, but, so the main thing was, was that, um, so, you know, as I've told many times on this podcast, my parents live in a house built in 1836 and it is, um, far too big and and it is not in pristine perfect shape you know there's a lot of upkeep involved it's on an acre and a half of land it's very um secluded hard to get to the driveway as you know dimity from (laughs) from the uh the time we went to that party in new canaan and coming back but um so uh so i you know i got there and immediately started talking about like her living there on her own was not a tenable situation it was not a long-term solution and so that she was either going to need to get someone in, you know, pretty much full time, or she was going to have to move somewhere. And she was really opposed to it. And then when my sister got there um, later that day, she's, I wasn't in the room. And she said to my sister, like, oh, well, Sarah thinks, you know, this, this, this. And my sister was like, yeah, that's what I've been telling you for months, mom. Like, and so, you know, we touched on the subject a couple times and then, um, then I went, Chocolate came out and visited on Saturday afternoon, stayed the night. And on Sunday morning, we went for a walk and spent literally half the walk discussing my mom's situation and laying it out as, okay, we have option A, which is move into, um, you know, senior living facility or option B, which is to get full-time help in the house. And that I was going to have to, you know, try to get, and, and my siblings, um, try to get, uh, my mom on board with one of those. And I mean, the up, you know, the conclusion we came to was it's going to be really tough. And but that's what needs to be done. There can be no matter how much we would like other options, only A and B exist. Sure. So um, get back home, uh, say goodbye to chalk. And then 
in the kitchen, hanging out with my mom, not talking about the living situation at all. And she suddenly says, I've really been thinking about what you, what we've talked about and I can't continue to live here on my own. Oh, and, yay. and I was like, what, what? Like, honestly, it was a plot twist. I did not see coming at all. Like, yay. You know, yay. What's your mom's name again? Margaret. Margaret. That's right. Yeah. Margaret Bowen. Way to get, way to, way to make some good choices. Way to make good choices, mom. Exactly. So, so at first she was leaning more toward option B, which is to stay in the house with long-term help. And, and I was like, okay, you know, that's one of the options. So I was, you know, kind of talking through with her and within less than 10 minutes, she's on her own pivots and is totally on board with selling the house and moving out to a senior living facility. And I just, all I kept thinking was, I wish I had video of this because my siblings are going to think that bossy Sarah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, and that that bossy Sarah strong-armed her into this. And so it was not only so amazing that she had the faculty and the reasoning skills and everything to realize that that's the best option, but that she came to that decision on her own. Mm -hmm. And, um... So I talked it through and I also talked about how sometimes just making the decision feels so good. You know, when you're faced with daunting, yeah. a daunting situation, it's making that decision and then, okay, I've made the decision. Now let's take steps to make it happen. And my mom was saying that she's like, okay, what are the next steps we can take? And I was like, right on. So I got um, a real estate agent who I'd had some contact with over the past couple of years, had her in on Monday to really look over the property, give us kind of a spitball estimate of what they thought we could ask for. I talked to my brother. And so he, cause he was coming, he and his wife were coming up on the 4th of July to spend a couple of days with my mom. And that he took, he went and visited the number one facility that we think she might move into Great. on Thursday. He's taking her to the um, bank today to talk about financial options for, cause you know, when you move into one of these places, almost all of them have a very high upfront fee that then you get 90% of it back when the, um, the guest is no longer living there. And so, I mean, but then over the course of, you know, the next, I don't know, 36 hours what they were there, that we were there, she definitely would backslide occasionally and be like, Oh no, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, no, 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 mom. Remember we talked about this. Yeah. Um, so, and then, oh, then I talked to my brother. Oh, and then we talked to my mom's physician, my sister, my brother, and I, uh, talked to my mom's physician because then on Monday morning, so the day after she's made the decision to move out, her physician calls out of the blue and is, says, um, you know, you've been having memory issues. I wanted to check in. I want to, you know, have a conversation with your kids and everything. So I get home, I'd been swimming and I come home back home and my mom has this very concerned look on her face and she's like my doctor called and he is concerned about my memory loss why did he do that um you know did you and the implication was kind of did you call him and i'm like i i don't know how to call him and she's like well he's never done that before and without any hint of irony i said mom maybe he has called before and you just don't remember and and so but then i also pointed out Oh. There was a, there is some, there is some, uh, there is some humor in the Alzheimer's situation. And even my mom can laugh about stuff. And so, or dementia, I should say. And so, um, and, but then I also pointed out, finally, I'm like, well, mom, you know, your birthday was Thursday. Maybe he took Friday off and he just calls his older patients right after their birthdays. I don't know. Yeah. And so we had a conversation with the doctor yesterday and, so he's you know going through this whole thing about how he you know she's fiercely independent and that but that her living alone is not a long term solution. He's blah 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 blah. And then I spring the news on him, 
Yeah. And he was as flabbergasted as I was. So. <laughs> Obviously, her personality shines through. She's a little stubborn. Yeah. I don't know where she, I don't know where you get that from, Sarah. <laughs> so, um, and I'm not changing a thing. So there you go. <laughs> so, um, oh, but he was so, he was a darling. Of course, while I'm talking on the phone, I look him up and he's adorable. He's probably in, I don't know, his late 30s, early 40s. And um, so anyway, so he was super helpful and it was just kind of good to, get us all on the same page. And I will wrap this story up with saying that also, you know, I don't know. I'm going to talk to my mom about whether she'd be willing to move to a place here in Portland because my kids just were so wonderful to her and with her. And yeah. they just brought a lot of joy in her life. I mean, they were playing cards, they were laughing. And then Phoebe just would sit and just talk and talk and talk to my mother. And they just had this bond that I just can't, explain but they just there was just something there so great and especially if she's moving i mean it's one thing if she was going to a place um in connecticut where she has friends right where she Mm, might know people but if it's gonna be Mm -hmm. you know new social situation anyway i mean yep you know god that would be so great for your kids to have some time with her some some time that they'll remember oh yeah Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, and Jack was the one who was like, why doesn't your mother move out here? And he was saying last night, he's like, oh, it'd be so good for our family to have your mother out here. And, you know, it'd be important for the kids and we'd make it, we'd make it part of their keeping their phones to go visit her, you know? And so I was looking at, you know, places on this side of the river so they could walk or um, take the bus there. And So I don't know. I think she's going to be very, very reticent to that. But I was thinking, Tim, that we, my mother has always wanted to drive cross country. Oh God! So there is a part of me that like, I'm. Oh, I thought I'm going to hop in the Chrysler Pacifica. I will be like, I'll go with you, Mom. Yeah. We were driving across the country, and I already was envisioning. I'm like, oh, I could stop and we get a party in Denver, and then like I could stay with Mother Runners. And oh my go across gosh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Well, Margaret, we want you come to Denver. I know. So, so we sh- we shall see. But that is that is the update. So, That's a great yeah. update. Well, I'm glad that it's all kind of moving in the right direction. You got some good momentum going. So you got to keep. It sounds like you're keeping it up, which is great. Oh, that's my. So I talked to my brother briefly yesterday about financial stuff, and um, so I was like, oh, so his mom started backpedaling. He's like, oh no, she's very enthusiastic and she's really on board with it and understands everything. And then like three hours later, he texts me. He goes, the backpedaling has begun. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, the important thing is we keep our foot on the gas and keep moving in a forward direction. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. You know, it's, it's like running, exactly. just forward motion. Or triathlon, not to switch topics on us, but um, but that's what we're going to talk about today, right, Sarah? It is, it is. We're going to talk about triathlon and um, I wanted to do this and I worried that it was, you know, I, that we got caught up in stuff in April and May and then I'm like, oh, it's too late in the season. And you're like, no, it's not. There's still time. So I'm glad you... Um, uh, kept your foot on the gas for this one because we're going to talk about triathlon, like why you should consider it, how to overcome concerns about it. And we're first going to talk to a triathlon coach from the Train Like a Mother Club. And then we're going to speak with a mom of three who took her on her first triathlon in May of 2017 and is already training for a half Ironman distance event. Uh, we'll talk try with these gals right after this short break. Stay tuned. Our first guest is Jennifer Harrison. She's a triathlon coach in Chicagoland and the mother of twins. A multi-time Ironman finisher, Jennifer is a co-coach along with Liz Waterstadt of the triathlon programs in the Train Like a Mother Club. Welcome back to the show, Jennifer. 
thanks. Thanks for having me. Always good to be here and talk about triathlon. Nice, nice. So uh, remind us, how old are your twins now? They must be in high school, right? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, I may shed a tear now. But um, my twins, our twins are 16 going. Yeah, 16. So they're going to be juniors. Oh, boy. Driver's licenses? Oh, yeah. Yeah, driver's licenses and working and my son's working. My daughter's volunteering at a youth camp up in Wisconsin all summer. She's gone for five weeks. Wow. Um, yeah, this is the age where it really kind of, you know, you think you, you have these kids around, they're, they're around, they're around, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't breathe. I'm drowning in kids. And then all of a sudden, they get their driver's license in high school. And it starts slowly happening, obviously, before then. But then they get their driver's license, and bam, that is it. That's all she wrote. <laughs> oh, Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even talk about Amelia just got her permit on Thursday, but that's another podcast, Sarah. But yeah, I can. See oh my that. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So young. Yes. And wow. it was my least favorite part of parenting, you know, um, having the twins, nursing the both, breastfeeding both twins, mm-hmm. um, not sleeping through the night, you know, I mean, all those diapers, potty training. I, I swear, I, nothing compares to the teaching your twins how to drive at the same time (laughs) i have that to look forward to nice oh my gosh wait so you all live in chicago itself not like an oh we don't but it could i mean very well might be i mean granted it is different downtown driving is very different but we live Mm -hmm. 30 miles west of chicago but the highway we're only like three or four miles off the interstate that goes to the city that we Mm -hmm. were on so yeah i mean still really busy just like anywhere else but yeah Mm -hmm. it's hard and the boy we have a boy and a girl twin, so mm-hmm. the boy is a lot harder than the girl. Um, mm-hmm. Just to make sure, you know, you're keeping. I don't know. I'm telling you. And then, you, and then the other thing that's really hard about that age is, well, there's just lots of things: sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But <laughs> it's it's it is all about curfew. So the curfew in the state of Illinois or in this bill in this town is 10:30 on school nights, 11 o'clock on weeknights. So we as parents don't have to set curfews unless that parent wants the child home earlier. But that means my entire life has changed because I like to go to bed at nine o'clock to get up and swim at five and everything else. So we started getting in my husband's worthless in that department. So we started getting into that late nights. Like my son didn't get off work last night until 1030. I'm like, oh, for God's sake. So it, it, it's a, it is kind of a, a shift in paradigm as the kids get a little bit older, but it's all... It's all good. I have no convicted felons. I have no pregnancies yet. <laughs> and nobody's failed out of high school yet. So I'm, I'm pretty good. You're winning at life. I'm winning. Oh. <laughs> well, so, um, so tell me a little bit about your background and what you got you started in triathlon way back in the day. I think, um, I think it'd be good to have a little refresher there. Sure. Um, I've been doing triathlon for a long time. So I've always been an athlete my whole life, high school and all that beyond and all that swam my whole life growing up ran my whole life growing up. And I was training for, got out of college, got a job and was met my current husband. And he's like, what are you, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm running the Chicago marathon. And he's like, what do you mean? You're just, you're running a marathon. He's like, you spent your entire life swimming. People can't, people would kill to have swimming ability. Why don't you do a triathlon? I said, I am not riding a bike. That is ridiculous. <laughs> and um, that was in 95. Now, before then I, in college and stuff, I had on relays for triathlon with my boyfriend, who is not my husband um, at the time, and my sister. Yeah, that's another story. But anyway, <laughs> so we would go out there and do these triathlons as relays, and, and we would kill it, you know, after 
drinking all night would be aggressive for me, but being up all night, having a couple cocktails and then turning around and doing, and I was amazed by the women that were doing these whole things. I'm like, I can't believe these people do this whole thing. They're crazy. And um, so then I met my current husband and, and I entered my first triathlon and I did it in Ohio. Don't ask why. And um, I don't know why. And um, he was racing professionally as a duathlete in those days and had already been accomplished. He swam his whole life, swam on the national junior team with a cyclist, blah, blah. So, you know, he kind of had some ins and outs. And anyway, I did my first triathlon in 95 and ended up, I think I won. I can't remember. Um, and my husband looked at me and he's like, I told you. And I'm like, oh, whatever. So that was basically it. And actually the girl that I got second to me that day, I still coach. She lives in Colorado, ironically. Wow. Um, crazy. We were that good of friends. We stayed in touch and she um, over the years, and we traveled with her before she had children, and we had children to Australia and New Zealand and raced. And so we spent, my husband and I spent the next six or seven years racing all over the world, um, Switzerland and, you know, um, world championships, ITU world championships and triathlon and, and Hawaii and all that other stuff. And um, yeah, then I decided enough was enough and we got pregnant. And I remember people saying to me, there's no way you can keep up your lifestyle and have mm -hmm. twins, you know, because of course we got pregnant with twins because why don't you get pregnant with twins? <laughs> and, um, you know, that was it. I was on bed rest for eight weeks with the twins. Um, during that time, I got laid off because that was around 9-11. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't know I was pregnant, so there was some complications with that, uh, which was awesome. And then <laughs> I, um, I decided I had to go back to work, but I didn't know how to do it because I, at the time, was the primary breadwinner. And, um, but I didn't know what to do, you know, anyway, I had a guy call me and say, do you want a coach? And I'm coach. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm used to, this was in the nineties when we were making huge money before the crash and everything. And I said, I coaching. I mean, what am I going to do? Anyway, so I ended up coaching for this guy in this company, uh, for about three or four years. And then I ended up buying him out and starting my own coaching business. And that's how it is. And I've been racing ever since. I, I don't know how many, I should count probably. 250 maybe 230 wow. no, wow. all levels and I coach I coach full-time all day every day yeah that's what I do that's what you do okay just just a brief aside have you ever said this is the sentence ever come from your mouth Sarah I may have won the race I can't remember oh I know, I know right <laughs> <laughs> particularly the first one because you know it's not memorable or anything that no. it's your first one um, no the also the, the the thing the, the phrase that I want to ask about you keep talking about your current husband as if there's going to be a <laughs> another one so so maybe don't let him listen to this episode I, know, right? I only have one husband I promise 21 years Oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and so you started coaching, obviously, kind of as a fluke, but I mean, what kind of clients do you typically work with? Do you have, I mean, you know, do you work with elites? Do you work on down to, you know, somebody who's never done a triathlon before? Like, where's kind of your sweet spot? Well, I actually do all levels, um, which I really like because you, if you've been doing coaching uh, or anything as long as, you know, 20 some years, you just, you get to the point where you've got to mix it up. So if I only dealt with beginners, um, that would be challenging for me. But if I only dealt with super high end, there's challenges with that group too. So I actually do the full spectrum and I prefer it that way. Um, but I have coaches that, that work for us. And Elizabeth, the other coach for the Train Like a Mother group, her and I have joined our community. So we have coaches that work for us and they tend to do a lot uh, more of the beginners. But I have tons of beginners. I have tons of people doing their first um, uh, Ironman, mm -hmm. you know, their first. So I do that. And, but my, 
my sweet spot has tended to be, you know, women in their 40s or men in their 40s, mid, middle, um, I hate the word middle age, but middle age, um, fighting just off because that's my, you know, that's my genre and that's what I really like. And so I really tend to draw that. Plus, that's who I hang out with at the races or I'm chatting with or they're looking at results locally. Oh, Jen Harrison can still win this race at 47 or whatever it is. So I tend to attract uh, like-minded people like myself, but I really have everyone, including um, last year we coached, um, Elizabeth and I co-coached Melissa Stockwell, who went to and won the bronze at the, uh, she's a Paralympian, who won mm. the bronze in Rio in 2016. So, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so all levels, and I, I like it that way because the challenges with beginners are different than the challenges that you have with the elite age groupers or the, or the mm-hmm. pro- professional athletes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for somebody who's who's listening and who has maybe, you know, let triathlon trickle across their mind a few times, kind of do a sell job as to and tell us why triathlon is a great break from straight up running or is an alternative when an injury might come into play, particularly, I think, in that, you know, the dire term middle age, you know, kind of that um, 40 or 50 something. Yeah, yeah, I think triathlon and obviously I'm biased. So we'll just start with that. Me, me being biased. Um <laughs> And I did just run for a while there um, when it was simple, when I had first the first year out that I had the twins. Um, but I think what's really important is that you just, I like the variety and I think people like the variety and uh, triathlon tends, tends to attract and so does, and so does running of course, but the triathlon tends to attract extremely type A people, um, people that are super successful in different areas of their life and they're looking for another area to succeed at and be challenged by. So they're always looking for the next challenge. And like I said, of course, this describes runners, but I think with the running, we get into a little bit of a trouble sometimes with the injuries um, and triathlon can kind of, kind of circumvent those injuries a little bit. You know, when I have people that are having some niggles on the run, I send them to the pool. Um, if their shoulders bothering them, then I'm out there on the bike. And so it just kind of keeps these, these athletes a little bit more well-rounded. Um, in all my 20, I don't even know how many years I've been racing, but in all my years of racing, I've only had one injury and it was Achilles injury that I had in 2010 because I just ran in 2010. I wanted to break a certain time goal before I was 40 in uh, the marathon. And all I did was run, 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 run. And I did Chicago and I did CIM. Um, And I came out of those two marathons with a little bit of an Achilles problem. Then I healed and was fine. But um, in eight weeks, I took off running. But the point of it is, is that I just think if you just do, we get into these rote sports. So it's nice to have some variety, which is why when I coach, and I coach a ton of marathon runners too, by the way. So when I coach these marathon runners and work with these marathon runners, whether they're going, finishing their first one or some of the trial girls that I have, Olympic trial girls, I make sure that they cross train and they know that with me that they're going to cross train. I don't usually have them in the pool because I absolutely hate it, but, (laughs) (laughs) and they weigh, you know, 75 pounds dripping wet. So they usually can't swim, but, um, I, um, I throw them on the bike and on the elliptical and some water running just to kind of keep things balanced. Yeah. Um, and so, and I think sometimes too, so it's definitely, um, 
it's a great break for you, I think, mentally and physically. But I think sometimes people have a hard time, especially busy moms like the people that we talk to, thinking about how to fit in the training, right? Because there's a lot, you know, the, the beauty of running, as we all know, is that you slip on a sports bra, maybe some other clothes if you're feeling, you know, like you need to cover up and some shoes and you head out, right? And that's really all you need to do. You don't need to drive. You don't have to have a bike. You don't have any equipment. Um, and so talk a little bit about just kind of what a typical training schedule would look like for somebody who is, you know, just trying to go and represent. They're not there to win their age group. They just want to go and have, try triathlon or have a solid day. Um, how many of course. workouts would they do in a week? Uh, say an Olympic distance, right? Which is, uh, is it a 1.2 miles swim? No. What's nope, the- that's the half. the half. So the Olympic is the, um, is just here under a mile swim, 40K bike, 10K run. Okay. Um, so it's a 1.5 case swim. We have people listening that do kilometers. Um, anyway, so yeah, so something like an Olympic distance triathlon, I like to say, I would like to see everybody try to, in a perfect world, which we don't live in, get in three workouts per week of each sport. Mm. Um, and that now when I would say a sprint, you could do two and get away with it. Remember, this is for completion, not competition. Uh, so you would have two swim, or excuse me, for an Olympic, you'd have three swims, three bikes, and three runs, all with a variety of a brick, a hard run, an easy run. Uh, same with the bike and the swim. Always focus. Yeah. Well, could you explain what a brick is to people who think maybe you're talking about building a wall? <laughs> sure. A brick in the world of triathlon is any workout that's back to back. Typically, mm-hmm. it's a it's a bike into a run. So we call that a brick. And if you ever do one for your first couple of times, we call it a brick because your legs feel like bricks when you come <laughs> off the bike into the run. I'll never forget the first time I, I did one. I thought, oh, this is so stupid. I can't believe people would even run off the bike. Why would you do this? It's horrible. Um, but really good triathletes over the years get better. And they're almost better running off the bike or within five seconds of their open time when they're really good. Um, that's how we can monitor progress with triathletes off the bike and their running times. Anyway, so back to the Olympics. So three in a perfect world, sometimes that perfect world, most of the times doesn't happen. So then you would drop, uh, one of the sports and do two swims or three bikes or two runs or something like that, just to get through the week. And I'm also a huge proponent of strength, especially for women, uh, all women, regardless of age, need to do strength in their training plan. Um, and strength can come in two varieties. It comes in a Pilates yoga bar kind of variety, which is wonderful. And then it also comes in this pushing weights variety, a circuit. Now, when I say circuit, it doesn't need to be exercising like, you know, like orange theory or something, but mm-hmm. pushing weights and, 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 and creating muscles. So that's another thing that we need to add in, in the triathlon and running community. So it, it, it is something that we try to I think when people think about triathlon, the two biggest hurdles that maybe spring to mind are um, equipment needed, which we'll get to in a little bit, and then ability to swim. So um, when my BRF Molly tried to try a few years ago, she had a major fear of open water swimming, and she had to really work hard to overcome that by spending time in a nearby pond. Um, And now she enjoys it, and we go there um, regularly. But so talk folks off the ledge about swimming. Yes, this is a huge, huge hot button because I think more people would do triathlon if it wasn't for the swim. Um, and, you know, I, it's, 
this is a good story to tell because I think it puts it the swimming, the open water swimming in perspective because what happens is that triathletes get into their comfort level in the swimming pool. They're like, I'm awesome. I'm swimming every day or three days a week or once a week and I can get all these workouts in the swimming pool. And open water swimming, frankly, is a different sport. And people underestimate the fact that it's a different sport. We train differently for the open water. We, there's just a lot of complications in the open water. When I first started doing triathlons, and I, like I said, came from a swim background, I hated the open water. I thought this was horrible. I'm afraid I cannot go in this open water. I'm going to get eaten. We don't have sharks out here. Remember, I'm in Chicago. Everywhere. There's sharks everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter if you're in a pond or Lake Michigan or anywhere. They're, they're right, right. Or a bathtub. There are sharks, yes. <laughs> so I, and I, you know, I'm a Jaws child. So I spent my life watching Jaws. So I can't, I could not get my head around it. And I hated it. And I'd complain and moan and complain about it. Finally, somebody smarter than me said, Jenny, stop it. You're in your own head. You have got to love swimming in order to be a good swimmer. And that was it. I flipped the switch and I embraced the swim. I practiced the swim and I got over my bad self and, and, and became a better swimmer. So I think the first thing that people have to do is they have to get their head around it and be a better, better place. Everyone's like, oh, I suck at it. I'm horrible. I'm afraid of the fish. Let me tell you, I have probably done, I can't even, I'm, let's just call it 10,000 swims in my, over my lifetime. And never, ever have I had a fish problem. And that's been in <laughs> Hawaii where I've seen the sharks and the stingrays at the bottom of the water. There are no, those fish are not going to bother you. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one thing. The other thing too, is I tell people, beginner swimmers, is that besides you have to love it and you have to embrace it and stop with the mind, the mind, remember mind over matter all the time in a swim. The other thing, practice, practice, practice. I feel like we make tons of opportunities for athletes to practice the open water swimming um, locally. I run all these open water clinics, all these open water opportunities, and people don't, a lot of people that I think should come don't come. Mm. So, and I, it's usually a choice, but a poor choice, not a choice where I'm busy with my child. It's a choice that I'm going to go to the swimming pool instead. So they, there's a fear factor that they have to get over um, and which is usually in their head. And the other thing that I tell these athletes that I just was talking to athletes last night about it at the open water is we don't drown in wetsuits. So when people drown in open water, they, there's a hidden issue there. Usually it's cardiovascular. Um, sometimes it can be an aneurysm or some other stuff, but that is a medical condition. When we have wetsuits on, all you have to do is roll over on your back and you are going to float in that water. Mm -hmm especially if you live in an area with salt water, you're going to float. So I always tell people to practice, 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 and get confident to know that they're not going to drown and they're worried about contact in the water. So I always tell people when they're beginners to start in the back, yeah. let everybody go, especially in this world. We used to have all these Ironman races and these big races on, used to be a mass start. Unfortunately, I can say that but most people disagree with me. But unfortunately, um, USAT triathlon has gone away from that from an insurance standpoint. So the insurance mm. companies have stepped in and said, we will reduce your premiums if you, at least locally. So I'm not speaking on behalf mm. of USAT here. I'm speaking on behalf of all these local races here in the Chicago area that I sponsor and help. The, U the insurance companies have come back to us and said, we will reduce your, your, your rates if you do a time trial start or less people mm. in the water at once. So, mm. That is very user-friendly for beginners. 
So mm -hmm. the beginners can go and they can just go and they can put them in the back and they can just let everybody swim ahead and then they can have clean water and get out of the water. And I think that that's, you know, very, very important too. But I can't overemphasize the fact that search out your local community, search out your local open water opportunities and swim in it. Yeah. Swim in it. Let me just interrupt you a lot. There's a woman named Heidi, um, who some of you probably know, who's in the triathlon program right now. She's doing the sprint distance with her daughter. So her daughter's in high school. So the two of them are doing the program together. <clears throat> and Heidi had a fear of open water swimming. Um, she got over that fear on a boat trip around Greece. So may we all be so lucky. <laughs> but she dove in every day and had her kids swim with her, you know, to the shore. You know, they were within distance of the shore and, and had one of her kids swim with her. And now she's like flying high. But she just put up this post, which I wanted to read because it really talks about or really um, it, it echoes how much swimming is mental. Um, you know, she says, every time I complete a swim workout as scheduled, I feel like I have accomplished something huge. First, I look at the workout and think that there's way more that I can do. Then in the middle of the 500 today, for example, I kept ticking the laps down, wondering if I could get through it. Then the cool down was 200. Anyway, I did it all, and either I can't count or um, my Garmin totally overestimated my yardage, but she did more than she was supposed to do. And in the end, this is the kicker, I realized for me, swimming is such a mental thing. Physically, I was fine, and I could have kept swimming even more. So mm -hmm. I think that that's just, I mean, that's coming from someone who doesn't like to swim. So I get, you know, I mean, you definitely have to learn how to, you know, do the freestyle efficiently. That's an important thing to do, but then, you know, and then, and then get comfortable in the pool and then get comfortable in the open water and then go, I mean, it's, it's really fun. And if you are scared of sea life and sea lions and all those things, you know, the fact that you're going in a group start, you know, more or less, they're going to all stay away. Like, that's what I always tell myself. They're all going to stay away. Nobody wants to eat me. They've got more juicy things around. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyway, we can keep going on, but I just wanted to do that little sidebar because I think it's important that, that people, you know, people have come into the Train Like a Mother program not being good swimmers and have conquered that. So I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, and Dim, in that question, you touched on, um, say, or you were saying that it's important to learn to do the freestyle efficiently. Um, so Jen, could you talk about, you know, kind of how one of the great things about triathlon is perhaps the beauty of learning a new skill or at least honing one as an adult? Yes, of course. The swimming is one of those things. People ask me, what are the top three things that I can spend money on in the sport of triathlon? And I always say, unless they are, you know, somebody that has a swimming background, which is very rare in, in, in triathlon is spend the money on a swimming coach. Mm. Uh, find a swim coach in your area, and this can be just somebody that can teach you how to do better freestyle. Does not have to be a triathlon coach. Swim coaches, to be honest with you, tend to have a little bit more experience with, with, with it, unless they're an accomplished triathlon coach. And spend the money and get swim lessons. Learn how to breathe in the water. Learn how to body position and some other things. There is, uh, Dimity and I were talking to Sheila Termina Tamina the other couple of weeks ago, and she has some books out called Swim Speed Secrets, and they're very, very, very good. Um, they have pictures in there. They have drills. So spend some time with um, getting some help from a one-on-one -on -one swim coach that lives in your area, and then, of course, doing some reading on your own and, and implementing that into, the, into your program. Mm -hmm. And I bet there's a lot of YouTube videos out there. I'm thinking maybe... Oh, there are so many, but that gets a little bit dicey because um, there's, it's my theory in triathlon is too many cooks in the kitchen. 
so you get so much advice. That's like if, if I watched you swimming um, and I'd give you three pointers, Dimity would give you three similar ones, maybe one different. And Elizabeth would give you two. And so it, swimming is all technique driven. Uh, we get all the aerobic base and all the fitness in other areas. So when people can't swim, um, and I have quantified can't swim before, but I think people hang on my number so much that I want to be careful. But if I have an athlete that I'm working with and that athlete cannot effectively swim under two minute miles for short course yards or two minutes per 100, sorry. Um, then I think that that person's time is better used uh, but with a swim coach to try to get that time down into the 150s or the 140s and that's per 100 in short course yards. So those are kind of some of the parameters that I have with, with, uh, with swimmers because it's, it's all about efficiency. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, is you don't want to come I mean, it's the first of three disciplines, right? And so if you, you know, if you come out and you've been thrashing around and you're scared to death and you used up a lot of mental and physical energy, um, on the swim, I mean, the bike and the run, you know, are going to, you only have an, a finite amount of energy. I'm not saying the bike and run are going to suck because they, they, they won't, but it's just a, you know, you got to make sure that you're, you know, do you want to put, put yourself in the best position for race day, right? So that you're not absolutely feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm done with the swim few. I mean, there is that definitely that feeling. And I, I mean, I, even I have it, or I used to have, you know, coming out of the water, I'm just like, oh, I'm glad that's over. Right. But it's not, but I don't feel like I've, you know, used all my, I don't feel like my legs are depleted or my mind is depleted. Like I can't, I can still go and push in the other disciplines. Right. So, right. Absolutely. It's all about comfort and starting the day. Right. But that is, that is the number one way that I think beginners can spend the number one by far number that beginners can spend their money in the sport of triathlon is swim, swim help. And also getting in touch with somebody that's locally, that's a triathlon coach or if you live in a more remote area, um, search out the triathlon clubs or groups, find out when and if they swim in open water, and then have somebody help you in that open water. What I tend to do a lot of here is I was having a triathlon group come out yesterday, last night, and help the beginners in the open water. Just going over um, what to do if they panic, you know, what, and to answer that question, I always have athletes roll over on their backs. Um, because, or they can do breaststroke, but what happens is, remember, it's a face in the water panic. So triathletes tend to, beginner triathletes tend to uh, panic when they can't breathe. And one of the things that freaks out beginner tra swimmers in the open water is how dark it is. You know, we don't live in Hawaii. We don't have crystal clear water. <laughs> we live. <laughs> yeah. We had beautiful water there too. <laughs> exactly. But we don't here in the, and most people don't have clear water. So you know, putting, you can't see your hands. You can't see the competitor next to you. And all of a sudden you come up and you're hitting their feet and it's just, just all that body contact is really hard. So like I said, just spending, making sure to seek out those opportunities that serve you well. Okay. Let's get out of the dark water now. <laughs> so now that we hopefully haven't freaked you out <laughs> much, um, but let's talk a little bit about gear. I mean, um, so, so if you are coming to triathlon and you just want to give it a, a go, you don't know if you want to invest in it yet. Um, I mean, can, what kind of bikes do people need to complete like their first sprint triathlon, Jen? For the bikes in triathlon, you can use any bike that you really have that you're comfortable on, to be honest with you. Um, the bikes range from the cruiser bikes and the mountain bikes that we have in our garages. And they go to the road bike, which is a little bit sleeker design and thinner tires. 
so the thinner tires will go faster. And then obviously the triathlon bikes, which are at the top level of, of the sport, very aerodynamic and um, a forward seat post to help with the running off the bike. Uh, you do not need a triathlon bike at all to do to get into triathlon. You can, like I said, you can do them on any any bike that you have that's safe and will shift, and you know you're comfortable on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and just my, you know, because it comes up sometimes. I mean, you can find if you don't have a bike, you can find one on Craigslist. You can get one at the end of the season. So that's that's the that's the reason why we're doing the triathlon podcast right now, Sarah. There we go. We're gonna go. Thank you. Shop at their bike stores, you know, in early September and get a screaming deal. Um, you know, there's definitely places that you can get them that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to go spend a thousand dollars on your first bike. Right. So, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. Or get it off Craig's, you know, again, like there's plenty of places to find one to, to, to just test the waters. Um, yeah. Or borrow one, borrow one. Bought, yeah. The first triathlon I did, um, well, not the Ohio one, but the relay one, I, um, borrowed one. Absolutely. I was about to say, if you, if you <laughs> won your first triathlon on a borrowed bike, we just got to punch it out, Jen. That's, I'm just going to say <laughs> you that. You can't remember if you won or not. And you know, she remembers the bike. It was actually a tricycle from, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. I, uh, and you talking about, it, I was thinking, I have been to the camp, the triathlon camp that, uh, Colleen Cannon, the pro, former pro, uh, teaches. And, and she tells the story about how she, uh, would ride a bike that had streamers on the handlebar bars like it was such a cruiser awesome. bike and, and like a basket i'm like oh my gosh like one step up from dorothy in kansas uh, so <laughs> um, so okay let's make one final dalliance back towards swimming how about um wetsuit and um uh like what's the necessity of having a wetsuit and, and let's talk about the fact that you don't need to buy one sure so the wetsuit the wetsuit's purpose obviously is to protect from the cold ultimately but what happens is that the, triath- the new triathletes tend to use it a little bit more as a safety, kind of a safety net. And I tried hard to have the, the wetsuits only be when we need them. So let me step back. The wetsuit is, the, is a phenomenal tool. And we swim faster and are way more efficient in the wetsuit because of the buoyancy. The, there's two, two different types of wetsuits. There's a sleeveless and there's a sleeved wetsuit. And if athletes are in the market for a wetsuit you always want full rubber all over your legs okay so we're not buying shorty what we call shorty wetsuits and we're not buying wet skiing or you know, water skiing wetsuits either many people find these water skiing wetsuits and they're so much cheaper than triathlon wetsuits and they buy them and it's a disaster because those are those are just there for warmth to protect you when you fall off the water ski into the cold frigid water on, we are on our stomachs swimming and water's rushing, should not be rushing through your wetsuit. Um, so make sure, and I've seen many beginner triathletes buy water skiing wetsuits. So let me just say, put that out there. Please don't buy any ever. Um, buy the triathlon wetsuits. So anyway, when, and then, so they're sleeveless and, and then full sleeved. Most of, most people feel a little bit more comfortable in the sleeveless wetsuits when they are not used to swimming because of the restriction and kind of feel like they're suffocating in a wetsuit. So I always have beginners start with the sleeveless. Um, ironically, I've never owned a sleeveless. Just, <laughs> just this year, I got a sleeveless and I have to say, I find it much harder to swim in because I'm used to all the buoyancy, but I understand it's a lot more, it's a lot more restriction free and a lot of the beginners really like it. So 
that's my advice there. You don't necessarily need a wetsuit in order to do a triathlon for your first time. Unless the, for your first race happens to be like a half Ironman or an hour and Ironman, then yes, you need to spend the money and buy a wetsuit. However, if you're just doing a sprint triathlon, and I don't mean just, but if you're doing a triathlon and it happens to be a sprint or an Olympic, as long as the water is not too cold, and when I say too cold, usually under 65, it's a little dicey. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> we swim in much colder, just so everybody knows, and I could be off a degree or two here, so don't quote me on this, but the USAT rules are 55 oh, wow. so uh-huh. degrees. So anything under 55 degrees, they won't hold the swim. And I want to say that I have swam in 55 degree water in Vancouver, Canada for the world championship. I can't remember what year it was. I think it was in 07, ITU Olympic distance triathlon. And the water was so cold and so aggressive. Might've been 56, but please. Um, So I have swam in that cold water and there's nothing, there's not much worse because you're in the ocean and the waves and everything. So the point of it is, is that we don't usually have swims that cold in the United States, but if you do, you definitely need a wetsuit if you're going to be in water. And I have had train like a mother conversations with those women that have had to have triathlons in 58 to 60 degree water. And I have told all of them during office hours or whenever, or on the Facebook page, definitely have to be in a wetsuit. Um, I wouldn't say definitely, but it's a good advice to be in a wetsuit. Oh yeah, I'd I'd say so. That's pretty cold water. And um, but but um, in a lot of places you can rent a wetsuit, right? Yes, and it's a wonderful idea. I always tell people to rent a wetsuit. See what you like. See what you don't like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't invest in a wetsuit until you want to, until you know you want to do a couple more triathlons, right? And then and then it might and then again you can buy you could probably get deals on them. You know if you do if you end up doing one this summer and then go back to the running store that you rented it from and they might be selling them because they'll be getting a new crop for next year. So, Absolutely. And the only other thing I want to say about wetsuits that I have the conversation with triathletes all the time about every day is when you go to a triathlon and they make the call in the morning. So the USAT rules is that they have to take the temperature within one or two hours of the race start. And that temperature is what rules wetsuit or non-wetsuit. And many people don't feel comfortable swimming without a wetsuit. So my advice to you is two things. Number one, practice in open water without a wetsuit if your race is potentially could be non-wetsuit legal. So you have the confidence to swim with or without the wetsuit. And the second thing is when it is wetsuit legal, always wear the wetsuit, period. No questions asked. We are that much faster in a wetsuit and that more efficient in the wetsuit. And people have said to me just last, well, I just raced Sunday. Um, well, I've been racing a lot, but just this past Sunday, uh, athletes were asking, should I wear the wetsuit? Should I not? I looked at them like, are you kidding me? I mean, I know it's only a half, I don't know, what, what, what was it? Maybe, I don't know, 800 meters or whatever it was. And I said, always, they're like, well, it takes me forever to get it off. One, practice. And two, one of the tips that I give for athletes on their wetsuit, in the back, on your calf, part of the wetsuit, make a cut, a, a triangle in that so that you're basically, uh, you're just cutting an upside down V in the back on your calf. And it's, it's not going to hurt. I mean, obviously it's going to hurt your wetsuit, but it's not going to hurt your swimming. And that will allow for quicker, to, quicker transitions and getting that wetsuit off. Um, mm. It's a great tip. 
because it because it uh, opens up that um, opening a little bit more, and so you can get it over your feet more easily. Is that it? Correct. And we have chips on our ankles. Remember, oh, most sure. of, most of the time. I mean, some of the small local races won't, but ninety percent of races are chips. So we gotcha. have these big chips on our ankle. People can't get over them. So cut your wetsuit um, mm. so that it comes over it. Yeah. You look like felons on parole with an ankle monitor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right orange cap on, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jen, you are just a wealth of knowledge. That's why I, these guys, I, these guys have it dialed in the tri club. I will have to say, if you want to try a triathlon, and this is not an infomercial by any stretch, but they they have seen everything, they have done everything, they have won everything, even if they can't remember it. Um, and, uh, so it's just it's super helpful to have. I mean, you know, it's you know, I geek out on it, like oh, they take the temperature like an hour before. That's so cool and that kind of thing. But even if you just want to give it a go, it's definitely worth um, trying it. The, the sprint program that we have is twelve weeks long. So if you have a September race or an October race, if you live in a in a warmer climate, that's still a possibility for this year. Or oh, sorry, there's my dog. Um, or you could, um, also, you know, think about it for next, next summer as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us again, again, Jen, which rhymes, uh, always fun talking to you. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Good luck, everybody. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Our next guest is Jessica Hughes from Southern Illinois. A mom of three, Jessica teaches several fitness classes a week. Jessica's debut triathlon was in May, 2017, otherwise known as a year ago, May, when she followed a Talam Club sprint plan. In the 14 months since, Jessica has done two more tries, and she's training for her first half Ironman distance event. Thanks for joining us, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, my gosh, you had quite a, quite a leap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, jumped in with both feet. So, um, so let's start, though, with uh, your kids. Tell us a little bit about their ages and, um, I don't know, fun facts. Sure. Um, I have three kids, two girls and a boy. My um, daughters are newly turned 16 and 12. And my son is about to be six and is going to kindergarten this fall. So I'm about to have Mm. a whole new way of doing things every week. Um, The girls are really active in sports. My oldest daughter loves lacrosse. Game changer when she got her driver's license because that freed up a lot of time for us. That's that's um, the theme of the show is uh, kids getting driver's licenses. Um, I mean, it's nerve wracking, right? Sending your kid off by themselves. But for instance, today I needed silence in the house and she's like, hey, how about I take him to Chick-fil-A? Yes, please. Here's $20. Goodbye. (laughs) So um, that's that's definitely helpful. And then um, my my younger daughter is really big into soccer and um, they actually both are doing a triathlon this weekend. And so that's kind of exciting. Um, all three of us are going to be doing a try a local one short distances and it's kind of fun to share that with them. So, yeah, that's great. And so tell us, I mean, it sounds like you're a pretty active person. Tell us a little bit about your act, your athletic background, uh, Jessica, and how you became a runner. Um, well, you know, I was an athlete in high school, um, not really running sports. I played softball and I was a thrower on the track team. So running 800 meters to warm up was about the extent of what I was willing to do. Um, then, you know, had a kid, um, we were broke and I needed a way to exercise and running was pretty cheap. So I ran, um, starting in like 2003 off and on had another child fell in love with group fitness and kind of backed off the running. And then um, I knew someone that did a half marathon and I thought, Hey, I could totally do that. 
So I asked for running shoes for Mother's Day that year and ran my first half marathon. Said that was the hardest thing I've ever done. I'll never do anything like that again. And um, fast forward, decided, oh, I can do that again. And hey, how about we double that up and run a marathon? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? The problem is, is I know all these really active people and they have all had such positive experiences running. And um, when we moved to the area we lived in now, I, you know, had a brand new baby when our third, son, our third child was just born. And I, that's how I met my friends at the gym and some of them ran and we started running together. And, um, so yeah, fast forward a few marathons and I listened to actually a podcast. I think it was at the end of 2016 when, um, you were talking about the telium plans for triathlon. And I thought I've always wanted to try triathlon. I'm totally, you know, obviously this is a sign 2017 is the year to do it. Oh my gosh. So. I love it. Yeah. And now you're paying it forward. So you, you were inspired by the, our previous <laughs> triathlon podcast. And so now. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, so other than the podcast, so inspirational, um, uh, you know, why a triathlon instead of say another 10 K or half marathon? Um, well, I, like I had said, I had run a few half marathons, um, I ran five marathons and I was looking for just a change. I like to be active and I do really well with a plan that holds me accountable. I mean, I do teach group fitness classes every week. And so I know at least, you know, a few times I'm going to get in a workout, but I need, you know, wanted something beyond that. And, um, I knew a gal who had tried triathlon and she loved it. And I thought, sure, why not? I could do that. And, <laughs> um, and, and so, like I said, I heard on the podcast about the plans, I'd already done a round of heart rate training for a marathon. And I, I really enjoyed that. Just the Facebook group and having access to a coach and the plan was easy. Training peaks is my new best friend. I like seeing, you know, that, that, uh, workout turn green. And so it just seemed like the perfect time to give it a whirl. Green boxes, right? I love those. Yeah, the green box. Absolutely. Um, so, so, but you are not, you weren't a, a swimmer, right? So, I mean, talk a little bit about how you got into um, swimming and biking um, from, from not doing those. And maybe you were a cyclist, I don't know, but um, talk about just kind of those hurdles. Sure. Um, no, I, I, I mean, I knew how to okay. swim, um, but I was not a swimmer. I was never on the swim team. Um, and so, the only prerequisite for the plan as far as swimming was concerned, could you go a hundred yards without stopping? I could. Um, it wasn't pretty. It was mostly breaststroke. Um, and so what I did is um, coach Jen had suggested good money to spend in the beginning is on swim lessons. And so that's what I did. I um, reached out to a local club that we are members of and said, Hey, I, I, you know, want a few one-on-one -on -one swim lessons got signed up with a gal who actually is a triathlon coach as well. And, um, that was, that was huge. I went from, for instance, I was holding my breath underwater, had no idea I was supposed to be blowing my breath out as I was underwater. And you know, that was the first thing she told me. It's like, Oh my gosh, life changing. I can actually swim, you know, 25 meters now. And it doesn't feel like I'm going to explode. So um, something super small, but I, I wouldn't have necessarily known if I, you know, if I hadn't, um, 
used a yeah. coach. So that was, that was pretty helpful. And, um, watched some YouTube videos. I just watching people's form, not so much what they were saying, but just watching how they were swimming under the water. I understood, you know, the concept of it. Um, but it helped to, to really watch what other people were doing. And, um, I think that helped put into practice. And so I did a couple, like I said, one-on-one lessons, swam by myself for several weeks and then um, did another one-on-one lesson with another um, coach. And um, I found that the more I got in the water, the easier it was for me. Um, And I definitely saw the most gains in swimming as far as, you know, in a short amount of time. Sweet. Well, and so, and talk a little bit about the training um, as far as how you fit it in and kind of figuring out, because it is, I mean, it is a time intensive thing, especially now for half Ironman. I mean, that's quite a, a jump up as far as um, the duration of the workout. So how do you, how do you make it work? Oh, absolutely. Um, that was, I had kind of just jotted a couple of notes when I was thinking about this. Um, logistics is such a hard thing, especially in the summertime, you go on vacation, it's easy to just go out and run. Um, but swimming, you got to find a pool or, you know, if you're lucky to be near a body of water, um, you know, swim in the ocean or a lake or something like that. Um, and so I have to be really diligent about looking at what's coming up in the week for myself, for my kids. It helps that my kids are a little bit older So I can get out early in the morning. And even if my husband isn't around, um, you know, I have a 16 year old and a 12 year old who easily can hang out at home with a little guy and I can, you know, make, make that work happen. But I'm also bouncing. My husband is training for a duathlon. And so trying to find time for us both to go out and get the work done absolutely can be a little challenging. But I think that if you know what's coming, um, it's easy to figure out where it fits in. Was he inspired? Was your husband inspired by you, or was he already, um, or would he not cop to that? Um, I would think so. It was kind of like with the marathon. He he watched me run the Chicago Marathon, which was my first marathon, and he saw, you know, thousands and thousands of people doing it, and he thought, okay, I totally could do this. Um, and he was, you know, looking for a way to get active again, and so he. Um, he started training loosely, I would say, not near, <laughs> not near as OCD as I am. Hashtag, um, hashtag quote marks around the tra- air quotes around the train. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and then with the with the triathlon, I actually had asked for a trainer for Christmas for my bike, so I could be riding the bike in the off season, knowing that I wanted to tackle something big this year. And he actually started riding my, he, he, he geeked out on the setup with the Zwift. I mean, he went all out. He had a buddy who was getting rid of his trainer. So we got a, you know, a really good deal on a smart trainer and he got me a Zwift account and he was, he really got into that. And so he decided he doesn't go small. He went and did a half distance duathlon in April for his very first race. Right. (laughs) This is what I'm dealing with. Um, and, but I digress. Um, so yeah, it's, I think because after seeing me do it and seeing, um, that I was enjoying that and it was a good challenge, he wanted a new challenge. And so he's, he's kind of gone for it too. Not interested in swimming at all. 
And so um, the duathlon works great for him. And let's take a tiny, tiny detour. Um, explain to people what Zwift is. It's like basically being able to do a spinning class in your own basement, but and be in real time going against other people, right? It's like it Peloton. Yeah, you can um, you can join other people riding. Mm -hmm. I typically don't try to. I don't worry about that. I just get on a lot of times, and um, you can say I just want to do a training ride, and you can choose the terrain you're going to be on, whether you want it to be flat or rolling hills or big climbs, uh, or you can also just put in a pre-programmed class, if you will. So it's not necessarily live. Some other person has put in, you know, you're going to be climbing for so many minutes and then, you know, downhill, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But mostly I use it just in training mode and I get on in kind of a rolling hills kind of backdrop and it, and it forces you to kind of simulate what the outside is mm -hmm. as far as not just riding flat the whole time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, so let's talk about the, the race themselves. Um, what surprised you most about d doing a triathlon? Like, and what's a standout memory from your first try? Um, from my first triathlon, I, and this is not good, but I had never done an open water swim before my race. And it was an open water race. It was in May. We're in the Midwest. Um, and where we live, to get to what I would consider a safe place to practice open water swimming, just the logistics never worked out. I'd have to probably drive about an hour mm. to get there. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're already short on time. It's, it's all I could do to get to the pool someday. Yeah, so, yeah. um, so that's not ideal, but it was a wetsuit suit swim. Um, I practiced in my wetsuit in the pool. Mm. So that was mm -hmm. kind of an embarrassing moment because it was me and the, you know, teenage lifeguard in this giant pool and I'm swimming in my, <laughs> I'm like, don't worry, I'm not going to drown. It's, it's, okay. Just as quick, as quick. I mean, it is awkward when, um, I mean, cause I swim at a rec center, um, sometimes in, like in the winter time and it's, it's, it's shallow the whole way across. Like there is no deep end in this pool. Right. And sometimes I'm the only person there and then there's the lifeguard. Right. And I just feel like, Oh yes. my gosh, stop. And they could, they probably don't even care, right? Because they see that so many times. But I just feel like, gosh, should I stop and talk to them for a second? Or, you know, like sometimes <laughs> I'm like, you don't have to stay here, you know? Like it's just a, one of those situations where it's just like, it's like walking into like a really expensive boutique and you're the only one there. And then like the salesperson is like, can I help you? Can I help you? you know? <laughs> I don't know. But meanwhile, the thing is, is your face is in the water. So it's not like, yeah. at least you don't have to make eye contact. <laughs> but anyway, so you got your wetsuit and that's good. That's good. So I did. I at least did, did practice in the wetsuit. Um, and the lake that we were swimming in was, it's a sailboating lake. So it's known for being a little windy and it was super choppy. And my first race was a sprint, a 750 meter swim. And I remember coming out of the water and my husband was right there taking pictures as I'm leaving. And I told him that was the hardest thing I've ever done. I am never doing this again. <laughs> I, I mean, it was, it was, it was just so challenging. I probably sidestroked the whole thing Wow! because the chop in the water, I kept, every time I put my face in the water, I felt like I was swallowing this nasty lake. And I just said, you know what? Forward motion, forward motion. Mm -hmm. You're going to be fine. There's a kayak right there. If you need help, but you don't need help, you've got this. Um, and so that's one of the standout moments was, was coming out of that. So I've never been so relieved to be finished with something. I don't think, <laughs> um, 
but fast forward this year when I did the same race, I did twice the distance with no issue. So it took, it just took that time and, and getting comfortable and knowing you've trained for this distance. You, you can do this. You just got to get out of your head. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's that. Yeah. I mean, that's goes to exactly what coach Jennifer was just saying that so much of the swim is mental and you get, just got to get out of that, that headspace. Well, and it was funny because I actually did um, an office call with her before I signed up for the race this year because I was going back and forth because I am in the middle of training for a longer race. Should I do the longer distance because it's better to practice my nutrition and all of that kind of stuff? Or should I do the shorter distance and hopefully PR over last year as an ego boost? And she's like, just go for it. You know, just just do it. You, you've got it. You've, you can definitely swim the distance. Just do it. And, and I did, and that was, that was really good advice. Cause sometimes you need someone else to just say, stop thinking so hard. You know, you can do this, just do it. Totally. Good for you. Good for you. I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, even that's, that's really big. I'm, I'm proud of you. I don't know you. I mean, I know you from the Facebook page, but I mean, that's, you know, sure. to have an experience like that where you're like, you know, cause chop is hard. I mean, chop is you know, especially when you, you have been in the pool the whole time. Right. And you know that that wall is, you know, 10 strokes away at the most. Right. Um, and, and you have absolutely good for you. Awesome. So then you get on the bike and you feel like a badass. and how'd that go on your first race? Um, the bike was fine. We, it was fairly flat, just a little hill. They closed down the road. Um, there was a lot of side wind and I remember going down to get a drink and I kind of wobbled because you know, the wind hit me from the side, but it's also super humbling because I was being smoked. I mean, people were just passing me on your left, on your left, on your left, um, over and over again. And I thought, gosh, I'm working really hard. I can't be that slow. Um, I did pass a couple of people, but it was hard to just stay in my own lane and do my own thing and not get super discouraged by, like I said, constantly being passed. I mean, by people who were in really fancy bikes and obviously really good at what they were doing and just like, just keep moving forward, Jessica. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. So, and then how about uh, physically? Do you, um, does doing triathlon make you feel stronger, less prone to injury, you know, sore in upper body muscles you forgot you had? Because I know not only are you, um, training for this half Ironman distance race, but then you also have a half marathon like a month later, something like that. So ha- compare how you feel when you are mixing in the tri sports. Um, I would say overall, I when I was doing the sprint and training last summer for the Olympic distance, um, it was definitely less taxing on my body. Mm-hmm. Some of that is I'm still figuring out how much effort I can exert in the swim Mm. on the bike. So then I'm still good for the run. Mm -hmm. Um, my, my race that I just did in May, I had a 10 K PR at the end of it, which, which means that tells me though, that I probably should have been biking a little bit harder. (laughs) Um, but then I've also, like you said, Sarah, I've noticed different things. My knees have been bothering me more with the, the more biking. And some of that's just, I'm probably going to have to take my bike into the shop and, have them look at it and maybe I've gotten stronger. The way I'm riding it is different and maybe a few tweaks will help with that. Um, and I've also have had to dial down my weights and body pump. I teach that a couple times a week and 
I just have to tell myself, you don't have to be lifting super heavy. You've got these other big goals you're trying to do. And so trying to save, you know, save my, my muscles for what's more important to me right now, which is training hard for this race. So I'm successful in August. Right, right. You're like, it reminds me of, um, I hear anecdotes about in Boulder, you know, which is such a triathlon heavy place or triathlon centric. It can be hard to find physical laborers in Boulder because people don't want to be like lifting boulders, you know, making <laughs> walls or something because they want to save themselves for their workout. So important, important. <laughs> um, yeah. tell us just a, for a minute, you're, you're going to go do the Michigan titanium in the middle of August. And how are you feeling about it right now? It's we're, we're kind of early July right now. So you've got about six weeks or so. Are you excited, a little anxious, a little both or just sick of training or where are you? I think that's a little of everything. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've been training since February. I may have started a little early because I knew I had that, that, uh, Olympic distance in May. Um, and the workouts are getting really long. I had, and we're, and we're traveling a lot. So I'm having to shift things around trying to make sure I get in the time on all three disciplines. Um, for instance, we were gone last weekend. I've got this race this weekend. So I took Saturday's big, it was supposed to be a four hour bike ride and a 30 minutes off the bike. Um, got to drive 30 minutes to the trail, get my bike set up, you know, allow, plus it's a hundred gajillion degrees <laughs> in St. Louis right now. <laughs> the heat and humidity is, is killing you. Um, so it's hot and you just don't want to do anything, but so staying focused it is, has been a little challenging the last couple of weeks. Um, but I go out and I do it and it's nice. Kind of like when I was training for my first half marathon or marathon, these, these big rides, it's all new distances. I've never hit that before. So there's certainly a sense of accomplishment with that. Absolutely. Well, I will say, um, chiming in about the heat and I, yeah, it is a million bajillion degrees and then you put in humidity and that makes it even worse. But there's something, well, swimming is always going to be okay. And that's lovely. Um, and then riding even, there are days when I'm like, it is hot outside. I'm not going to go ride. But you get riding and the breeze on you that you create is, is good enough. Like it's definitely not running in the heat, right? It feels nice. Um, and you can find places that might have some shade or whatever. The only time is if you like have to stop at a stoplight or something, and then it kind of <laughs> radiates up at you. But I don't know. That's, that's the other, that's the other like bonus benefit to triathlon training, I think, especially in the summertime. Absolutely. There, we have a great trail system just North of us with, um, all kinds of interconnecting trails. And so I had a lot of shade, um, but then you're also riding through farmland and the sun's beating down, but then it's shade again. And there, you know, that, that is so true. And plus going fast, it's, you do get a breeze and I just love being outside and I love starting super early in the morning and the sun's coming through the trees and there's rabbit, you know, just seeing animals and things like that. It's, and you're in your own head the whole time because you can't be listening to music. It's not yep. safe. And so four hours of me and my own thoughts, um, sometimes can be scary, <laughs> but it's, it's, but at the same time, you can think out some, you know, you can really think out some things. So I, I enjoy that for I sure. Do too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of me time, a lot of alone time with triathlon training with the pool and the long rides for sure. But, um, but it's nice because it, there, there's very little time in our lives where we aren't stimulated by something else. Right. So it's, it's pretty cool. 
Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much, Jess, with sharing your experience and uh, good luck with your races yeah. this summer. Keep going, keep yeah. going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you, I appreciate it. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Take care. All right, bye. Dim, you think you got another try well, in this lifetime? Well, I'm a little lifetime? fired up right now, I gotta say. I mean, I've been riding my bike. That's kind of my, I, I do that probably twice a week. I've been swimming two or three times and I've been running. You know, I might just slip in a, a sprint try, not even tell mm. anybody. Yeah. Yep, yep. How's yep. that for living on the edge? Yeah. <laughs> no, no I don't I would know. Not... Go ahead. I was going to say, listening to Jess talk, I'm suddenly like, oh, maybe I ought to get a trainer for the basement. I don't know. So It, it is. I was thinking about it. I was just thinking, I'm like, maybe I'm going to look into Zwift. I think you have to have, I think it's a, a kind of expensive setup, but I, I'm not entirely sure. I think you have to have like a smart trainer, right? Um, that like helps you change your gears. So oh. I don't know that for sure though. So I probably shouldn't even um, talk about it, but, um, but you know, cause it's nice to have someone else set the workout, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. the beauty of it. You know? So if you just say, I'm going to go do this ride, that's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. 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 yeah you well, should, you should do a triathlon. Maybe Sarah, maybe, we would, maybe that's what we do for, you know, next year, maybe we do one together. Oh know? my gosh. That'd be, that, that might be, that might be fun. I, uh, yesterday I was at fun. my, might so be fun. That, how's that for hedging my bets answer? Um, I have learned that's how I got into this whole situation was you asking me to do a marathon. I thought you'd forget. So I'm not making any promises. I learned, I learned. Um, but, uh, yesterday I was at my, the PT, he was working on my foot and, um, uh, he was like, Oh, you went biking today and you've been swimming a whole bunch lately. Why don't you do triathlon? And I was like, funny, you should ask that. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. So There's something yeah. really, I mean, I know I've said this before and I talk about triathlon, like I, I like running a lot, but there's something that is so nice about, you know, switching up the sports in the middle of the race, right? Where you're not like, <laughs> all I got is another mile ahead of me, another mile ahead of me. I'm doing the exact same thing. It's like, it's like a crisp new start with each event. Right. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. even if, you know, even if this, you're not a good swimmer, you can get on the bike and, you know, be that person calling on your left, or you're not a good cyclist, but you got fast wheels that you can run on, you know, then, you know, you're fast. I don't know. It's, there's something about it that just really, if it's, if it's intriguing at all to you, um, you should give it a go because I, my guess is that you will really like it. All right. Well, Dim, you and me are going to be talking together more often for the podcast because we're going to start doing a bi-weekly, every other week, um, call-in show. The tentative title is Another Mother Runner Answers, which I uh, felt so clever. I thought that up while I was swimming because it can be both a noun and a verb. A-M-R-A. Like yeah. A-M-A. But... <laughs> I also like, I always like the Q&A too, but A-M-R-A and A-M-R-A is good. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be a bit of chit chat, but it's mainly you and me. We're going to be answering training, running, maybe even some parenting questions. Not not sure our expertise. You know, maybe some musical theater <laughs> questions. We can answer those. Answer uh, millennial questions. Yeah, right. Yeah, Alex can chime in about millennial topics. Okay. Um, how does, yeah. how, how does that, that that Snapchat thing work? How does that? What is that? Thing? <laughs> right, right. That's even too. I that's above me. I don't even know. Oh. <laughs> um, so uh, so, but to get started, we need questions from you listener i am talking to you uh we don't have the technology to take the questions live so we need you to call and record your question for us and i will share the phone number in a sec but here's what we're looking for the message needs to be at most at most 90 seconds long start by telling your name where you're calling from and if you care to include the number of kids it's not it's your choice and then ask the question kind of giving a bit of background if necessary but please the message should be a minute and a half or less 
And the phone number doesn't ring anywhere, so you can call day or night. It goes straight to voicemail. It's not a phone by my head or, you know, it's not going to wake me up in the middle of the night. Nothing like that. The number is 470-BADASS-1. That's 470-223-2771. Again, that's 470-223-2771, 470-BADASS-1. And one more time. Uh, one more time. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not. Um, you can't make me. Um, so, and Dim and I want to kick this show off sometime this month. So please start leaving your questions ASAP. And many thanks in advance. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. I may have won that race, but I, I can't remember. <laughs>